Day two of NBA free agency in the books for the Phoenix Suns. And while there was no Kevin Durant trade, we learned a ton about both his market and the options available to the Suns in that trade. We'll break it all down on today's Locked on Suns. You are Locked on Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credential media member covering the Suns for the past five seasons and a writer at Suns.com and Dime Magazine. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen as we make our way through free agency. Look, I'm going to be plugged into my phone. I'm going to be connected. I'm going to be glued to my phone all weekend. So the minute that anything happens, I will be setting up to record if this Kevin Durant deal comes down. So do not miss a show. Hit subscribe, hit follow on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Or if you're finding us on YouTube, that is the best way to support the show. So a big thank you there as well. Hit subscribe down below and drop me a comment about what you think the latest stuff in free agency around the NBA means for the Phoenix Suns and their pursuit of Kevin Durant. We had Rudy Gobert get traded on Friday afternoon. That was the far and away biggest news of day two of NBA free agency. And let's see, a few ways that this affects the Suns, but I first want to just go through the package. So I believe it was five firsts, all of all but one of them unprotected, plus a package headlined by Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, Patrick Beverly, Walker Kessler, the most recent first round pick. Subsequent, we heard Utah allegedly building around Donovan Mitchell, retooling their roster. The writing was on the wall for that pairing of Donovan and Rudy for a while. They finally were able to move Gobert for a massive, massive haul. And they don't have a lot around Gobert right, or around Mitchell right now, but they, they have the ability to, to, to get competitive quickly around him again, and, and probably as soon as this summer. On the other hand, and we, we were all sort of kicked off in the day by um, <laughs> Brian Windhorst of ESPN walking us through the bizarre surroundings of the Utah Jazz. That was before the Gobert trade, so I think that's what was on his mind. But also, he very clearly mentioned Royce O'Neal, a 3 and D wing, who got traded for a first-round pick to the Brooklyn Nets. Kind of something that makes sense on neither side right now. You know, the Nets are probably going to be a very different team. Not that O'Neal's not a valuable player, but trading a first-round pick for a role player when you don't have... when you know your stars are going to be gone soon is a little bit strange. <clears throat> and then on the Jazz side getting rid of a player to get a pick when you're supposedly building around your star is also a little bit unique. So let's get into how this affects the Suns. I wanted to remind everybody today's show is brought to you by Locked On Suns, which is partnering with Arcade One Up, which is partnering with Locked On Suns to give away three NBA Jam Shack machines. That's right, three giveaways. Arcade One Up, known for making the incredible retro three-quarter scale at-home arcade games like Pac-Man, Golden Tee, and many more. Enter to win the NBA Jam Shack machine at arcadeoneup.com slash locked on. Arcade, oneup.com slash locked on. All right. How this all affects the Suns? Well, shortly after the Gobert trade was reported, still, I believe, not official, so that's important here. 
John Gambadoro of Arizona Sports Gambo reported that the Utah Jazz are interested in DeAndre Ayton. So obviously the timing of that is interesting, but the fact that the report came out at all is also very important. So one, it's the first real suitor that we've heard for DeAndre Ayton. I mean, if you've been listening or watching this show, you know that for two weeks now, I have been the one clamoring about how, look, we can talk about DeAndre Ayton signing trades, but we have not heard of a legitimate suitor, especially after Detroit went away when they were able to draft Jalen Duran last week. So, with all of that said, the fact that there is a suitor out there is substantial. Also, as I said, the timing. Right after they get rid of Gobert, right after they tell whoever in their local market that they're going to be retooling around Mitchell, this pops up. So, still not sure if it would be on a max contract. Also worth noting is this Gobert trade did not create cap space for the Jazz. So this is not something that they can do purely by signing him, right? So they don't have the money to just sign DeAndre Ayton to a max offer sheet or a four-year $100 million offer sheet or anything like that. They would, it would, if it's going to be the Jazz, it needs to be a sign-in trade where the Suns would sign Ayton as part of a broader deal. So obviously you follow everything accordingly, and it's pretty obvious that Utah becomes a very good candidate to be that third team in a Kevin Durant trade that we've talked so much about, because uh, Aaron and I talked about this in yesterday's show, you can believe the Jazz, or you can believe the Nets are not, that they are not interested in Gobert, and I'm, or in Aiton, I'm sorry, but I, and I'm still not convinced of that, but At the same time, this three-team option was always going to be a little bit easier because there's just so much salary going around. Whether the Nets actually did get Aiton or not, it was going to be easier to just have that third team because of the base year compensation where Aiton counts for half of his salary in the trade and how much Kevin Durant makes, the fact that we already know the Suns are interested in getting rid of Jay Crowder or potentially Andrew Landry Shamit. The size of the deal, it just helps to have another team involved. So Utah being that makes a ton of sense. So why does all that matter? Well, I think the three-team thing is obviously one aspect of it, but the the draft pick stuff is really where this comes in. The, The fact of which draft picks you have and how many of them you have as you're getting up to the type of number that the Nets are going to want. So I was listening to Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue on the Dunked On podcast, which is, uh, this is like the one time of year that I'm glued to that podcast because they're just really good on cap stuff. Um, They made a very good point on that show that in a lot of cases, these mega hauls for superstars, the team trading for the superstar tends to give up picks from other teams, or at least it's better if you can do that. So a few examples of that, with the Clippers trading for Paul George, which allowed them to go out and get Kawhi Leonard, they had two of the picks that they sent out, which I believe got up to seven total. Two of them were from the Miami Heat. And when Harden was traded from the Rockets to the Nets, one of the picks that Houston got was a Bucks pick in the future, I believe 2025. Not necessarily an amazing pick, but it's a long way away. Giannis theoretically could be gone, right? That's a 
That's at least one option. Most of their picks were from the Nets, and those actually look pretty darn good right now, but they did get one additional one, similar with Anthony Davis. A little bit different in terms of the process of it. The Lakers themselves, all they traded was um, the four, uh, like four or five of their own picks, but the Pelicans then turned around and used the number four overall pick, which I believe did not actually belong to the Lakers. It may have, I don't remember, but they flipped that pick to the Hawks, who drafted DeAndre Hunter, and the Pelicans got, I believe, two additional first-round picks in that deal. One that year, where they were able to move back, and that was the Jackson Hayes draft pick. And then they also, I think, got another future pick from the Hawks. So what that ended up meaning is the Pelicans have a lot of Lakers picks, but they also have a couple of other picks as well. By getting, if the Suns were able to incorporate Utah and potentially Minnesota into this trade, what that would allow them to do is get to a higher number of picks, but also switch up where the picks are coming from in a way that might be more appealing to the Nets because they are not then just counting on the Suns being bad, but they might have a, maybe maybe it's, and I'll get to the package in, in the next segment here, so don't worry about that, but maybe it's at least one pick from Utah, Minnesota, and Phoenix. And that way, in a time when, as I just mentioned with that Harden trade, the Nets don't have any of their own picks for a while, that would allow them to get some replenishment and also not have it all be coming from one place. That's why the Gobert trade matters. It brings in a potential third team that we now know is interested in DeAndre Ayton. And because so many picks changed hands in that deal, we now also have a situation that Royce O'Neal trade is official. So that part is a little bit strange, but everything else can be combined into one trade and it could mean that the Nets have a package that they like more. So what would that package look like? What did we learn on Friday that could tell us a little bit more about what we could be headed for in a Durant deal? First, today's show brought to you by Arcade One Up, who are, as I mentioned just a moment ago, giving away a one of a kind NBA Jam three quarter sized Shack Edition machine. That's right, Arcade One Up, the leader in at home retro arcade games, is not only bringing the best game ever back, but they've made it bigger than ever with a wait for it Shaquille O'Neal edition. I love, I love all old arcade games. I feel like if you go to arcades nowadays, it's all digitized. It's all Wi-Fi. It's like um, arcade versions of apps. It's, it's not as good as the old NBA Jam and everything else. So in one of the sports, first sports games, jump clear across the court and set the ball on fire in one of the first sports games ever to feature real and digitized NBA licensed teams. No fouls, no free throws, no quarters. Required. Compete with friends and family through all new Wi-Fi leaderboards, making you more connected than ever. And you can pre-order now from Arcade One Up. That's Arcade the Number One Up.com for an estimated early September ship date. Or check this out. Of course, giving away that NBA Jam Shack Edition to one three lucky Locked On listeners. Enter for a chance to win that game console for your man cave, for your living room, dining room, bedroom, whatever it might be, at arcade1up.com/locked-on. That's Arcade the Number One Up.com/locked-on. So you can buy it if you want. Or you can enter to win it for free at arcade1up.com slash lockdown. You've got till July 8th, so don't miss out. So we'll get to what John Gambadoro from Arizona Sports reported as a potential package on the radio today. But I actually want to start with one additional note to kind of frame why such a package might be possible. Because I think 
that part did get missed a little bit. It's part of why I believe what Gambo reported, even though it seems pretty shocking. Early in the day on TV on ESPN, after his epic Utah Jazz, what's going on with the Jazz rant, Brian Windhorst um, reported that he felt, and this wasn't something where he was saying he had heard it directly or anything else, but it was just sort of an educated assumption, is that Josiah, the owner of the Nets, wanted a little bit of a return to those Kenny Atkinson days, those Spencer Dinwiddie, D'Angelo Russell, Jared Allen, those days where the Nets were like 500 team, but they played hard, they were well coached, they were developing talent, instead of the, frankly, the headache that he's been dealing with with these superstars for the past couple of years, that if they are having to give up Durant and Kyrie and they already lost Harden, he would rather get a team on the floor that can just be competitive, play hard, and everything else. The reason I bring that up is that the Jazz opened the door for that, okay? Incorporating this Gobert trade into this trade allows for that even more, and here's why. So here's where we get to the Gambo part. Reportedly, I was not listening at this time, so I want to preface it with that, but Andrew Lezis, who many of you might know from Twitter if you're on Twitter, Suns mega fan guy, uh, will say. He was listening, put it all down into a tweet. The deal that Gambo brought up as a potential option on the radio today during his show was campaign Landry Shamit, Tory Craig, Jay Crowder, and Dario Saric, which gets you to the salaries you need. Six firsts and three swaps for Kevin Durant. Okay. So, the picks is where that's interesting. You're probably hearing those names and you're thinking this is not possible. I probably agree with you. I think that's a low ball. I think Bridges or Johnson probably still ends up getting involved there. It just doesn't, maybe, or maybe more of the players that Utah just got from Minnesota. Maybe it's Walker Kessler. Maybe it's Malik Beasley. Maybe it's Jared Vanderbilt. Those players are just not going to cut it because a lot of those guys were not even really rotation players for the Suns this past season. By the end of the playoffs, Cameron Payne and Torrey Craig were out of the rotation and uh, by, by the end of the playoffs, and Dario Sharch has been hurt. So you're talking about two rotation players, and one of them was Landry Shamit, who the uh, Nets just traded. They clearly didn't want. So really, the only good rotation NBA caliber player in that whole group is Jay Crowder. That's not going to cut it as the centerpiece player-wise. But let's focus on the picks. Six firsts and three swaps is what Gambo said. So that would come, as I mentioned in the last segment, from a combination of Phoenix, Utah, and potentially Minnesota as well. What would happen is the Jazz would get Aiton. They would send maybe players, but likely at least a couple of picks to the Nets. I believe that the the equation that Gambo had included Boyan Bogdanovich coming to the Suns or to the Nets in that trade as well. That's a Jazz player, but somebody who would equate with the salary that Aiton um, would be valued at with that base year compensation craziness. So Bogdanovich makes quite a bit less than the $30 million Aiton would be making, but with the trade rules, it actually works out pretty well. So Bogdanovich probably coming to the Suns in that trade. Payne, Shamit, Craig, Crowder, Sharch going to the Nets. Maybe more going to the Nets player-wise. And then these picks. And by doing that again... The Nets would be able to diversify. They would get potentially 
some players who could help keep them competitive. Let's say they did get Walker Kessler or Jared Vanderbilt. Those players are low salaries, so that works. They get um, Ben Simmons. They already have. They already have a lot of role players, and I'm sure some of those Suns players could play for them. I st- Again, I don't think the player side makes sense, but I actually think we're onto something with these picks. When you combine what Josai said, or what Windhorse reported about what he thinks that Nets Governor Josai would want in this trade, heavy on picks, heavy on rotation players, but not necessarily that young superstar like a DeAndre Ayton or something, maybe that makes some sense. Again, I will repeat, I think this needs to include much more in the way of NBA proven talent than what Gambo reported. This this version feels like the equivalent of the DeJounte Murray trade that we just saw with uh, Atlanta and San Antonio. In that trade, San Antonio's priority was to get salary relief and just start over. That's effectively what this trade would be, but it's for Kevin freaking Durant. So I just don't see it being all that legitimate. But you include Cam Johnson, You could include Cam Johnson instead of Payne or instead of Craig, and the deal is basically the same salary-wise, but it gets more talent in there. Um, And I think that could end up making a lot of sense. Cam Johnson being the centerpiece of this trade is probably still a little bit squeaky compared to what we've seen, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I think those conceptions are a little bit more of what we need to start thinking about, something that is the biggest draft haul we've maybe ever seen. And then player-wise more on the volume than the, I guess, quality. Woj on the Raptors, okay, is the last note here. On SportsCenter today, Adrian Wojnarowski made a point that he, he just said to keep an eye on, watch out for whatever his wording was, the Toronto Raptors in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. Now, it was hard for me to tell if he was reporting that the Nets were or that the Raptors were interested or if he was just sort of speculating that, hey, they have a package that would make a lot of sense. And maybe they have maybe they have some conceptual interest, but it doesn't necessarily mean they've talked to the Nets or any of that. They obviously, as we know, are not on Kevin Durant's list. That still is just the Miami Heat and the Phoenix Suns. And it seems like if you listen to just a lot of the national reporting going on around Kevin Durant. It feels like the Raptors are not expected to include Scotty Barnes, the reigning rookie of the year. Now, I'm not sure if they should. I don't necessarily know enough about how Barnes's game will, will, will age to feel like I can be the one to say that. A lot of Raptors people seem really attached to Scotty Barnes. I feel like he's a really good player. So I don't know. But again, I'm not sure if this is necessarily an indication that the Raptors are making a big push or just, hey, their, ra- their roster is really good and they would be smart to get this to get involved in this or they probably could make a good offer if they got involved in this. I'm not sure. But even if Toronto or anyone else is in the mix, Kevin Durant's priority is still clearly to get to the Phoenix Suns and the Utah deal, the Gobert deal, and Utah's interest in Aiton present a pathway to make that happen that we just did not have 24 hours ago. Couple of other loose ends to get to before the weekend hits. So JaVale McGee gone. The Suns, right as I was about to hit record here, signed Damian Lee away from the Golden State Warriors. And I have one more interesting part of this to pick up on Gambo's reporting on this whole situation. So we'll get to all that in a second. First today's show brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net, the number one source 
for all sports betting odds, props, bets, info, and analysis all year long to inform your betting, make bets, and have fun while you're going through the sports calendar. Let's see. NBA futures, championship odds. So the Suns are now the favorites to win the 2023 championship. Part of me feels like that's just momentum. Part of me feels like that's just the odds makers trying to get ahead of it. If Kevin Durant were to come here, then there would be a lot of action and they don't want to get that action at plus 2,000. They want to get that action at plus 600. So I think that makes sense. But man, is that crazy to see. I was complaining for days before all of this happened that the Suns were in the 6-7 range behind far less proven teams or injury teams or any of that. And yet, here they are at number one. Bet Online remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news, including, or in addition to, bets, odds, esports betting, live betting, scores, all of it. So head to the website today, that's betonline.net, or use their mobile app to learn more about the latest trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. We'll get to JaVale McGee, we'll get to Damian Lee. The last thing I wanted to mention on all of this chaos regarding the Jazz, the Wolves, the Nets, Royce O'Neal, DeAndre Ayton, Kevin Durant, all of it is more about the behind the scenes of all of this, but here's what I mean by that. So I think it's newsworthy in and of itself here. I don't want us to lose sight of the investigation, the Robert Sarver investigation, the timing of it, and everything else. And it's newsworthy to me, it's noteworthy to me, that John Gamadoro is reporting about this so heavily in the first place, because look, if you're a Suns geek, if you've been following this team for a long time, if you have listened to Gambo report on his show, if you've ever seen his work on Twitter, to me, it feels fairly likely. It always has. It's, it's pretty clear a lot of the time that his info is coming from the very top of the Suns organization. Ownership, management, and management has not said the same on the basketball side. So I think you know what I mean. There are a couple of figureheads of this Suns organization who have been there for a long time, and I think that's fair to say is a source of his, right? Well, one thing about the sources right now is they're being investigated. They were. I'm not sure if it's done and just hasn't been released or it's not done. But either way, we had a lot of quiet days from those folks and from the people who were plugged into those folks, namely Gambo, for a lot of this season. And I'm not casting aspersions on on Gambo. If you have a connection to the very top of an organization and your job is to report news, that's a smart thing to do. But it went away for a while, is my only point. And it's not hard to understand why. So if his information is back, that might mean that those two guys, they, the top of the organization in general, feel pretty confident about staying in place for the foreseeable future. I'm not sure. We haven't heard much from Gambo the past couple seasons, especially this past year when the investigation took off. He also, I want to be clear, he has sources on other teams. I'm not going to deny that. I think it's um, not a coincidence that he used to get a lot of Celtic scoops during a period of time when a certain person was running their front office and now is getting jazz scoops, if you can follow me there. But Sun stuff clearly comes from the top down. And it's flowing again. The information is there for him. So just something to tuck away as we think about what's going to happen at the very top of the Suns organization based on the, the movement of this one guy, Gambo, who is connected with those folks. JaVale McGee, our next uh, tidbit here. Three years, $21 million to be the Mavericks starter. I think 
he's going to benefit from playing with Luka Doncic. I think it makes sense that they would target him. I think that's a lot of money. I thought that last year the Suns paying $5 million was a lot, and that's even more on three years. JaVale's in his mid-30s also. It's not like this dude is young. I mean, he's in his early to mid-30s. Like, he's... This deal is going to take him to, to be in his in his mid to late 30s, okay? So the other part of this that's funny is they just played him off the court. And obviously Dallas wants to be back in the playoffs making another deep run. So, so paying that much for a player who you just saw the limitations of because you imposed those limitations on him is a little bit peculiar, I, I have to say. But it also affects the Suns as much as we can laugh at the Mavs. And there's not a lot of centers left on the market. And that's the bottom line. We have seen Nurkic, Mitchell Robinson, Mo Bamba, Isaiah Hartenstein, Dwayne Dedman, Andre Drummond, Damian Jones. All those guys have signed. We've even started to see some minimum guys like Robin Lopez and DeAndre Jordan sign. So the Suns are going to need a center. Whether they uh, have DeAndre Ayton back after all of this, which feels pretty unlikely, or they do get Kevin Durant or whatever it might look like, they're going to need a center. Um, potentially a starting center, but at the very least a backup. And there's just not a lot of guys left. So maybe there's some thought to, can can they get one in this trade, potentially? I'm not so, so certain about that. I don't know. The best options still left in free agency are Thomas Bryant, who I think would probably be everybody's plan A, who still needs a center. And you also have... Bismack Biombo, of course, who could come back. And then Gorgie Jang, who is already fairly old, which is the one thing. He's, he's getting into his mid-30s, so depends on how you feel. Thomas Bryant is a floor spacer, not an elite rebounder, um, never really played more than you know 25 minutes a game. He's dealt with significant injury problems recently. Probably has the most talent of anybody, um, He's also only 6'10", so he's never felt like he has great size. But he's also only 24 years old. He started in the league when he was 20. So he he has the benefit of, if he can get the injuries figured out, you could even imagine him getting a little bit better than he's been. So he's the guy, I think, at the top of everybody's list, like I said. Bismack Biombo would just be the comfortable option. And then Jang is, is a little bit older. So the po- the point is, there's not a perfect, there's not a perfect target left. Um, and the Suns are going to be pretty desperate. I mean, if they trade Aiton to, let's say, the Jazz and they get KD and all that stuff happens, they're going to be needing a starting center. And you're talking about somebody the caliber of Bryant or Bismack Biombo or Gorgie Jang being your starting center? I don't know. There's obviously still going to be trade options out there, I suppose, and, and they could they could get creative. They have, um, at that point, you know, yeah, they, I mean... They have Ish Wainwright, I guess, as a potential center option. Maybe they get the trade done without including Dario Saric and he stays around as an option. But you don't need, like, we've been talking with Aiton for so long. You don't need a massively expensive center, but you still need somebody. You know, you're going to be potentially going against Anthony Davis or Nikola Jokic in the playoffs, and uh, you can't not have an answer for them. Last note here, the Suns, as I was about to hit record, signed Damian Lee, of course, maybe most famous for being Steph Curry's, uh, I believe, brother-in-law, cousin. I can't believe I don't know that. Um, I mean, look, he has been a player, especially during this championship run for Golden State, that didn't play a ton brother-in-law for to Steph Curry. I, I thought that was right. 
Um, he's he's been benched in the playoffs. Is is my point here? But he's a thirty six percent career three point shooter on pretty good volume, six six attempts per thirty six minutes, and. I just kind of trust him to, to know what he's doing. I think he's like a better version of Langston Galloway. Not as good of a shooter at all, but somebody who's a little bit bigger so he can stay on the floor a little bit more easily. Fits on both ends a little bit better. Just a, a little bit of a better overall player. And the other note is, you know, he's a smallish, smaller wing. So yes, he's bigger than Langston Galloway, but he's still not somebody who's going to be like a 3-4. He's probably more the size of like a guard, but isn't... A ball handler, so he doesn't really play guard. He's one of those kind of tweener guys in that way. But, um, you know, in the regular season, I think he's perfectly tolerable. And I think the Suns probably got him on the minimum. The, the numbers weren't out when I hit record here. So we'll see what role he ends up playing, what the amount is that he's coming in on. But I just don't think there's any harm in this signing at all. I think he'll be an end of the, end of the roster player, somebody to fill in if the Suns do do a you know, four for one, five for one, six for one type of trade in terms of players, they're going to need to fill roster spots. You know, maybe Ife Lundberg and Ish Wainwright are some of those, but a guy like Damian Lee is is perfectly harmless in that role as well. All right. If there is a Kevin Durant trade, if there is any more news, you will get a bonus episode over the weekend. If not, we will talk again Monday and uh, see where things stand. Sun's making, making strides, making progress making signings for the first time and more excitement to come. Enjoy the weekend.